found the Winding Road Podcast, hosted by Jason and Isaac. We're two friends who are sitting in the driveway just chatting about cars over some drinks, while two of our favorite cars are sitting behind us shining in the sun. We never know where the conversation will go, but we hope you join us. Welcome back, guys. Thank you to everyone for joining us for last week's podcast where we had uh, Emerson on. It was a great show. Uh, we probably could have talked for hours. I don't know about you, Jason, but I, I had, a, you know, a bunch of questions locked and loaded and um, yeah. I just, we had to stop somewhere. <laughs> right. So. Yeah. I had the same problem. I had a bunch of uh, topics I wanted to bring up, but uh, like you, you know, we have, we, we would have been up all night long and probably would have been late for work the next morning. Yeah. Um, so getting into this week, I am super excited because I put my summer tires back on this past weekend and uh-huh. I, I, the last few weeks I was hesitant, but I just pulled the trigger because like tomorrow, the rest of the week is actually supposed to get colder. So I got to watch the temperatures, maybe take the wife's car to work once or twice. Um, but most of the cold temperatures, when I say cold, it's relative for summer tires. Um, they're going to be on the weekend. So I don't necessarily drive that anywhere, um, where it would be a problem. Mm. So I think I'll, I think I'll be okay, but, um, I was hesitant about it, but I just pulled the trigger and I am so enjoying having the summer tires back on. It's great. So you're, you're happy about that decision. Yeah. It's just, it makes the car so much better. It's, it's hard to explain to someone until you can actually feel it for yourself. Yeah. Um, what was it? What was the day that it was like super nice out the other day? Saturday. Saturday was like seventy four degrees. I think. Is or, that when you? Is that when you did the tires? Yeah. No, it was nice the other day too. Though when I was leaving work, I remember it might have been Monday or Tuesday. It was yeah. Nice. How was that commute? Were you loving it on the way home from work? Yeah, they were. They were uh, windows down commutes. Actually. I really enjoy windows down in this car because like in say four door cars or even two door coupes with the back seat, like a two plus two, like they, like the M4. Um, What I've noticed is because there's that large passenger area beside behind the front seats, the air, like the doors are made large, like longer so that people can get into the back seat easier. And the way the air swirls in it, um, it like comes back behind the front seats and then swirls around and comes up through the middle of the front seats. And that airflow is great on like a, a hot day or something like that. But when the temperatures are in the low sixties and it's not super sunny, cause it's like, it's evening. It's, it can make you a little bit cold if you want to have the windows down or at least me. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, but with the Cayman, it's just behind me is a small little package shelf. Basically it's small enough that the air doesn't really actually come into the car. Like it does a little bit, but it's not enough where it's going to like maybe cold. So like I can have no jacket on in this lower sixties and the windows are down and I'm on the highway. And in a normal car, I would be freezing because of all the airflow and everything, but it actually feels great. Plus where the engine is, I think it's also adding some warmth to the cabin because yeah. like on a hot day, like if it's 85 degrees, it doesn't really get cool in the cabin with the windows down because the air just sits there. It doesn't actually circulate. Um, so that's where it can be a little uncomfortable if it's super warm, but like from 60 to about 75, it's just awesome having the windows down. So I, yeah, Monday and Tuesday, I had the windows down on the way to work and was really enjoying it. That must have been pretty early too, because don't you don't you leave relatively early in the morning? Yeah, I'm talking about after work. Oh, okay. I was like, wow, you yeah, had your windows down in the morning. Yeah. That's, that's brutal. I usually don't in the morning. At least, it, like right now, it's too cold. But yeah. during the summer, it's while it might be cooler in the mornings, it's usually humid, and so like I don't want to smell like outside humidity when I go to work. Um, kind of like when I would ride in my motorcycle, you kind of have a at least I feel like I have an outdoorsy smell, which I don't necessarily want if I'm in an office. Were you riding um, that motorcycle to work? I used to, yeah. Where where to? Were you at Audi at that time? No. So I had that when I was working at um, a distribution warehouse and then at a motorcycle and ATV shop. So that wasn't a big deal. 
And then when I was at um, a couple of other dealerships, well, the one before I left home, and then um, when I moved here, I was working at one, but I, I had stopped writing as much. So, but I would, I would pick the days. Like if, if it was going to be like super hot, I mean, I would, I wrote in most conditions. I wrote when it rained. I liked writing in the rain. You did? Um, I did actually. It's, it's when you first start getting wet, it's annoying. But then once you're soaked, you're soaked. And it's like, okay, whatever. And I, I didn't mind it. Uh, I also didn't mind riding in the cold. I would take it out on a 20 degree day and ride for like an hour. Oh my um, God. Multiple layers, of course, but I would sure. do that. That's so. pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Also helmet hair. Like that's one thing about riding to work is depending on the hairstyle you have, if you don't have it super short, you got helmet hair. So, right. <laughs> you got to watch out for that for sure. Especially when you're in an office environment. Yeah. It just looks a little funny. Yeah. So, um, so you were saying about the summer tires, putting them on, what do you do with the winter tires now? Like, they're on a dedicated set of rims, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they'll get stored Storm. in this one room we have, um, that's behind the garage. So I got to, they're stacked in the garage right now. Once it's warm, I'm going to clean them up and that way they're not full of like brake dust. Cause I put the summer tires away, um, dirty. So I was like, I need to not do that anymore. So yeah. Before I put them away, I'm going to clean them up and then um, store them. So it's, it's it's part of the house. Like it's a climate controlled room. Um, uh-huh. So it's not like it's super cold or super hot in All that right. room. What rims are on the summer tires? I forget. Are they stock rims? Yeah. So they're the factory 19 inch lobster fork. Uh, also called lobster claw, but the technical term is lobster fork. Uh-huh. Uh, they're really popular um, wheel style. I they're not my favorite wheel style by far for Porsche, but they're very sought after. Um, I'm indifferent about them. Like, if I had the option, I would have gone with something else. But you know, you ever think about things. you ever think about upgrading them? No. If the car had 17s or 18s on it, I wouldn't go for a 19. Um, ideally, I would like to have 18s on that car, but I'm not going to buy a set of 18-inch wheels and sell the 19s. Something right. about keeping it, having the factory set, I just like. Like, it really bugged me when Sarah's car had three of the four wheels bent. I tried straightening them, and one of them, um, the barrel cracked. So I had a, and then she didn't trust the wheels either as far as, you know, losing pressure, because that was part of her problem. So uh-huh. I had to buy a set of wheels, and it, it kind of, the OCD part of me was bugged because the factory wheels weren't with the car. Um, I didn't also particularly care for those wheels, that style either, but they were the factory wheels and I just, something I like, like about them. Um, on her car or your car? On her car. So uh-huh. randomly, both her car and my car, I'm not really a fan of the factory wheel style, but gotcha. my mine were an option and hers were standard for the trim package. How did they get banned on her car? Um, potholes. I mean, I'm, I guess, like, it, did it come like that? No, she's had it since new. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So she, you know, over time, just with the roads around here, yeah, um, they all got bent. But I didn't know it until, because she kept having a problem where the the right front tire would, every, like, two weeks or a month would have, you know, we would just lose air. And we had them reseal the bead because I, at the time I wasn't working at a car dealership. So I took it to a Goodyear store and mm. they just, you know, they couldn't find anything. They saw me leaking at the bead, but that was it. So they, we put some bead sealer on it, but that didn't really fix the problem. Um, we, she did have a couple of punctures in some of the tires. They were repaired, but they weren't leaking. But then when I was at one point, I forget what was what I was doing, but where I was working now, I found when you put it on the wheel balancer, you can see that the inside of the barrel is bent. So that's when I'm like, okay, well, that explains why she's got, because if it, if the car is parked and the bend is at a certain spot, it's going to leak. Um, Makes sense. Yeah. It's like when you have a puncture and it's consistent leak, it's going to continue to leak no matter what. But with wheel bends, sometimes depending on the, where the bend is, if it's parked at a certain spot on the, on that wheel, it may not leak 
until it's moved again. Plus, if they if you pull the wheel off the car and someone's searching for a leak, if it's not pressing on that bend, it might not leak, you know, might be harder to find. Hard to find, yeah. But usually when people look for leaks, they look on the tread because punctures are most common. Yeah. Um, or you'll check the the valve stem, uh, which she's got metal stems, so that's not a that's not really a thing. Um, but yeah, it just depends on how much effort somebody wants to put into looking at it or how bad they're bent and stuff like that. Yeah. So what did you fi- finally wind up doing? To fix so it? I replaced all of them with an aftermarket wheel. I stayed with, so they're factory 18s. I stayed with an 18, but what I did was Enki makes the wheels for her car, the sport package. Um, they're called duck feet wheels. They're the factory wheels are called duck feet. And, uh-huh. um, but they're made by Enki. I, I don't know if they're forged or not, but either way. So what I did was I stayed with an Enki wheel that both she and I agreed on the styling. Uh-huh. I stayed with an 18 and then I changed the back spacing so that it was the wheel center was kind of tucked a little bit. So it has a little bit of a dish. Um, and then, but and it, it kind of kicks out the, the, like the tire and the face of the wheel, almost like it's got spacers on it. So like okay. I just played with the back spacing. I could have gone a little bit more extreme, but I didn't know how it would look by doing what I did. I think I ended up pushing the, the wheels out maybe five, five or eight millimeters, nothing extreme, but it was enough where you can see there's more of a concave look to it. So it looks nice. And being that they're Enki, to me, it's like, okay, well, they're not factory, but they're kind of, you know, they're made by the same wheel manufacturer. So there's somewhat of a link there. Um, right. So, yeah. And they're nice, understated silver uh, uh, five spoke from Enki. They're rotary forged, I think. So it's not a full forged wheel, but it's also not a cast wheel. Or maybe it's rotary cast, something like that. It's kind of uh-huh. halfway in between. So uh-huh. it's, it's, a combination of strength and weight like a cast wheel is strong stronger or more forgiving than a forged wheel but it's heavier and forged wheels are lighter but they can crack a lot easier so this this technique that this one is made from uh, it helps kind of have the, a little bit of both like it's not super both. heavy but it's not as brittle like a little compromise between two of the mm-hmm. technologies yep that works and they're still on the car right now yeah. And so if you, if you check out um, my Instagram or like huh. midnight came in Instagram, um, you can see pictures of it previously. I'll have to check that out. I'm interested now. So this is the car spotting I was telling you about on Sunday. I was, we were driving Sunday morning and I looked over and I'm like, Holy crap. I didn't think I'd ever see one of those, at least here. It was pretty huh. beat up, but um, I was impressed. So search Suzuki. Uh-huh. Cappuccino. Suzuki Cappuccino. Okay. So that I've is... Seen, I've seen these before on the internet. Mm-hmm. They're Japanese K-cars. It's like if you... It, this one specifically, they... I think it looks like a Miata if uh-huh. you shrunk it in the dryer. Yeah, definitely. So, like, it... By pictures, you may not be able to tell how small it is unless it's beside something else. But uh-huh. if you imagine... If you listeners imagine a Miata, like the old NB Miata. So like 99 to 04, the ones after the pop-up headlights. Um, If you imagine that, but smaller, that's what this is. For those of you who don't know, a Japanese K car is actually K-E-I. It's a category of car that can encompass a lot of different things. They're limited to a 600cc engine. And it was due to regulations from the 50s, I believe, in Japan, like post-war Japan. I forget why, but the Japanese government, I think they had lower taxes on cars that were below a certain engine size. And so there's a whole category of cars. Like there's, there's mini, like micro bus minivans, there's normal sedans, there's sports cars, like the Honda Beat is a really popular one. And the AutoZam AZ1 is a really cool one. It's got gullwing doors. And then there's a whole bunch of like quirky Japanese like mini uh, vans and, and buses that like I'm really um, intrigued by these. And that's one of the reasons I want to go to Tokyo to see some of these old K cars and you can yeah. import them 
there's a company, there's several companies that import them, but I didn't expect to see one of those. That's interesting. Yeah. And make and that never uh, it explains a lot because I've I've seen that you know I've read about them and and seen I'm a part of um, Facebook group. It's it's called the Obscure Cars for Sale, mm-hmm. and uh, things like that pop up every once in a while, and. I always wondered why all these cars had 660 cc engines. I'm like, that's an odd number, mm-hmm. but that makes that makes sense, you know, when it's explained like that. It reminds me Which, of another one I've seen around my house a few times. I saw it a few times last year. It's, uh, um, I don't know the model, but it's a little Honda utility pickup where it's like a cab over design, like the yeah. if you've ever seen um, an Isuzu. I uh, forget what model it is. Well, anyway, it's a little cab over like bus style thing. And then it's yeah. got like a flatbed on it with some stakes on the back. Um, the Daihatsu Midget is a version, but it's a three wheel. But I've seen a Honda one running around my house last year a few times. And that was really cool, too. That's another K car. It's like a little delivery I, truck. Yeah, I've seen them, too. They're pretty cool looking. Um, but those those are still four stroke engines, aren't they? Yeah, I think most of them are. There's probably a couple two-strokes in there, but I I think they're mostly four. That'd be cool, having a little two-stroke car running around. I don't agree, but... You know, Volvo Volvo used to make a two-stroke inline twin, I believe. Back in the late late 70s, I think it was. It was... uh, And Saab also. Maybe the Saab Sonnet or something like that. They had inline twin uh, two-stroke engines. Wow. I just yeah. think they're different. Uh, you know, they, they sound different. You don't ever see them. I think um, it comes from my bane of I hate two strokes, the way they sound, the way they smell. I just, uh, I've always hated them. So it's like you're never a fan of like the two stroke dirt bike or no. the, the Yamaha Banshees. No. No. <laughs> no, that's one thing that just like lima beans and fennel, I could. I would be enthralled. I'd, I'd be so happy if they were, they'd fall off the face of the earth. <laughs> <laughs> Not a lima bean guy? No, lima beans, fennel, and two-stroke engines. I'm cool if they go extinct tomorrow. <laughs> we'll have to, have to do that on another um, things Isaac doesn't like on another episode. When I Googled that, it came up uh, with like a versus the Miata. Hmm. And there was, it looks like a cool little video of Suzuki Cappuccino versus Miata. Okay. And it does, like, Miatas are a pretty small car, mm-hmm. yeah, I think. And to see something that's, like, I don't know, I don't want to see, I don't want to say half the size of it, but, like, three quarters like of the size 80%. of it. Probably, like, 80%. Yeah. Interesting. That would be so much fun. It would be, like, a little go-kart. Oh, yeah. They're not fast, but they're, 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 they're not. Are, I'm like, sure they're not, yeah. They're so maneuverable and... Yeah, you could take it to a go-kart track and it wouldn't be totally out of place. Sounds like a good business idea. Buy a bunch of those and then people <laughs> yeah, can well, come race them around the track. You have to get for them. That's the problem. Yeah, right. Good luck with that. Pretty sure something tells me that your local AutoZone is not going to have what you need for that thing. Well, that's pretty cool. I thought you were going to say something crazy. Like, I don't even know. That's not what I, that's not what I was envisioning for the... Uh, yeah. The Isaac Carr spotting of the week. Yeah, I, I I got a couple of them over the weekend. I know I, I texted you at least one or two. Um, yeah. But I thought, no, I'm gonna say I'm gonna save one for the podcast because it's gonna be totally unexpected. And yeah, you know, it's not just like I saw a Ferrari, and it's like, while it's cool, like I feel like I'm kind of jaded because I would say I probably see at least two, maybe three Ferraris a month in my general area, like two to four township range from where I live, yeah. especially if there's a cars and coffee going on. Yeah. They started up. Um, the one, uh, the one near you, I think just started last week. Okay. And they're going to be going uh, this week as well. That Saturday was nice. Cause they do theirs on, no, they don't do it on Saturday. They do it on Sunday. No, so I think it was, it's Saturday. Was it Saturday? No, Maybe they, yeah, they Saturday must, mornings. I guess they closed down then because they're, that's a car dealership. So, they're usually open on Saturdays, I think. No, I think they are. They, I think they remain open. And uh, really? it's really weird because I've seen people like try and come in there, <laughs> like regular people who want to look at it, and they put all the cars in the corner. And uh, 
people like it's also like a coffee shop kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And um the people are just so confused, they like don't know what to do. <laughs> but cars and coffees is usually out of there pretty early. Yeah. I think like I went to I think, one there and I think I think most people were starting to leave around ten what ten thirty. Yeah, yeah. But um I went there I think the season opener a couple like a year ago and it was insane. I mean it was nuts. People were parking on the I don't know what road that is, but people were parking like on this two lane road with really no shoulder mm-hmm. and the cars could barely get down the street, like just regular mm-hmm. traffic. It was like insanity. It wasn't that full when I went. Um I went on a random day in I think it was June last year when I went. June yeah. or it wasn't super hot, but it was it was getting pretty warm. It was in the eighties. Just one time last year you went? Yeah. And I don't I don't know if I need to go back. It's not really my scene anymore. Um why is I that? Know. I'd just rather be out driving, I guess. Yeah. Like I can appreciate looking at the cars. Um, but if I were to pick between looking at them or driving, I'd I'd rather spend time driving. Yeah, you know, the other thing is that I feel like 90% of the cars are the, are the, the, always the same ones. Mm. It's almost like 90% of the people go every single week. Mm-hmm. And like every once in a while, you'll see something different. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I always use it as a, uh, like a way to get some exercise. Yeah, sure. For me, for me, it's like probably a 40 minute, 35 minute drive from here. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's like I, I get to drive a little bit and I have a destination of where I'm going to. So I enjoy that ride. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I get out, walk around for a little while, see some cars and then, you know, have a drive home. And it's like a, it's like a little event for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with it. Um, maybe it's, I don't know, maybe I need to get into a couple more of them, but I got invited to a couple recently. Like I can tell that show season is is starting again because i'm in uh the keystone car club mm-hmm. on facebook the facebook uh-huh. group and yep. something else and they've been invited they send me a few invites over the weekend to some events that are coming up mm-hmm. um and one i guess hasn't been happening for the last two years it's near allentown i want to say yeah you know which one that is i've i think that those guys once in a while will do um uh, like event, like driving, not driving events, but you know, they'll steel go they'll stacks get and steel stacks cruise or steel stacks C and C cruise. Okay. Okay. So yeah, th- so this was posted in Philadelphia Exotics and uh, Keystone Car Club, and it's a steel stacks cars and coffee is what it is. Um, it's in the Lehigh Valley, I assume, like. Allentown, but this group is meeting up in King of Prussia and then and then driving up there in like a caravan. Probably pretty early, I'd imagine. Yeah, they're leaving at uh six fifteen. Jeez. Yeah. Isn't there isn't there an uh a McLaren event this weekend too? I don't know. I thought I saw that in that group. Well this might be like, interesting. I I'm now in the uh, events that coming up tab on Facebook because I you ha- I pulled it up to see which what cars and coffee it was, and as I'm scrolling through, there's a, a pagoda hill climb outside of Reading because like oh, in Reading, cool. Pennsylvania, there's a pagoda that sits up on a hill, so uh-huh. it's really cool from a distance. And I guess uh-huh. there's a hill climb they do, and that's in June. So I'll have to keep an eye out for some more events, see if I can get to some of them. Yeah, I don't know how far Reading would be from you. Uh, Reading is about 45 minutes. Okay. It's kind of like halfway. If I go that way, there's two ways to get to my parents. And if I go that way, it's like right in the middle. Okay. Um, so, and it's, I can take um, a nice two lane back road. And then I get on the highway for a little bit and then I'm there. So, yeah, it's about half hour, 45 minutes. I'm going to check out New Jersey Motorsports part of park i heard that's really cool i know that they have mm-hmm. a lot of different go-karting and things like that there mm-hmm. which i've always wanted to check out i was there once to to just go as a spectator i was photographing an event they had there 
It was uh-huh. uh, like classic car racing and motorcycles okay. and, and sidecars. The sidecars were fun to watch. That's pretty um, cool. But yeah, they have two racetracks and then they have at least one go-kart track. I think they have paintball there. They do a bunch of stuff. Yeah, it's definitely the closest track if I want to go to a track day. Well, I don't even know like what else. In- Does English Town have a track or is that a strip? That's drag strip. Drag strip. Same with Atco. I don't think Atco has a course either. Yeah, not that I know of. The only ones I know of are New Jersey. And then you go north and go to Watkins Glen. Or you go west to Pittsburgh. Or you go south to Virginia. Uh-huh. Those are the four closest that I know of. Yeah, I don't. But drag probably, strips. We have we have a bunch of drag drag strips. There's like two or three in New Jersey. There's uh, Maple Grove, which is a half hour, twenty minutes from me. There's uh, Cecil, Cecil County in Maryland. So, you know, we've I've got several drag strips within an hour, hour and a half drive. Yeah, no, like a lot of my buddies used to go to those. Um, they would go to Atco a lot. They used to do. I feel. I forget what night it was. Like Saturday night or something. It was like bring whatever you drive or something like mm-hmm. that. And they would just cars would just line up and just you know drag strip like you know drag on the night. But that's okay. I don't know. I get I get bored watching that. Like I can't sit there for that long. Yeah. I took when I had my Mustang. I took it to Maple Grove and um, Beaver. Beaver something or other. I forget what it was called, but that was up on the other side of Harrisburg because where I used to live, it was kind of the same distance either way, Maple Grove one way or um, Beaver Hill or Beaver, Beaver Town or something like that. It was mm-hmm. uh, another drag strip um, kind of in the middle of nowhere. So we, I took my Mustang to both of those and then I took my golf to Beaver and back in the day, like 20 years ago, I went to a to an event at Cecil County with some friends, and I just I just watched other people. But uh, it's more that? it's more fun when you actually do it. But depending on how many people there are, sometimes yeah. you can get as many runs runs as you want. Sometimes, like at Maple Grove, you get like maybe two runs a night if you go on like a Saturday night. But that was the nice thing about Beaver is. Like it's not as technically perfect of a track. Like Maple Grove is an NHRA track. And so it's like perfectly flat or almost flat. And like the, the facilities are better. Beaver was out in the middle of nowhere. And the, the starting line, I think, had a slight incline or something like that. And so it wasn't as perfect. And it, you had to like adjust your times compared to like Maple Grove because of the incline. Um, but you got more runs in, especially if it was like a, a, a quieter night, you could get like, there were times with a must when I had my Mustang there, I probably got six or eight runs and I could have wow. just kept, I could have just kept looping and looping and looping. Um, but you also want to stop and chat with your friends and stuff like that and let the car cool down a little bit. So. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I've never been to that one. Yeah, that's kind of like God. in the middle of nowhere, especially like for you, it would probably take you three hours, three hours to get there. Geez, that far? Beaver Springs Dragway. That's what it's called. For me, it's between two hours and 20 minutes and Jeez. three hours drive. It's From where you are now? Yeah, it's 130 miles away because it's, it's up there like in the middle of nowhere. Like it's, it's almost to state college. It's probably half hour from state college like like Penn State. Yeah, right. I'm looking at the map now, huh? Well, good to know in case we're out that way. <laughs> it's like drag <laughs> racing. <laughs> if I'm out that way, I'm going to enjoy the mountain roads. Sure. I'm sure there's a lot of the good ones up there too. Even 322 in that area is fun because it's it's going around the mountain ridges and stuff like that. So it's it's while it's a four-lane highway, it's um, still somewhat curvy and you can take the sweepers at pretty high speed. Like on your way to Penn State? Yeah. I've done that route before, but if there's, there's no traffic, like if it's a game, yeah. it's, it's a parking yeah. lot on your mind this week. I've been trying to figure out what kind of road trips I want to take this year um, to myself. I actually, I, I learned more about Sarah the, the longer we're together, especially now that I'm, I have the Cayman and I'm trying to 
I was telling her, I'm like, Hey, I'm trying to figure out where I want to go for, um, like a road trip this year. Like uh-huh. I thought about taking route six across the Northern part of Pennsylvania and like maybe hitting Erie, but I'm yeah. like, that might be kind of cool to do together. Um, the, her and I, where we just kind of enjoy the mountain scenery and then get to Erie. We've not really been to Erie before. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's close enough where we could do it in a, like a two and a half, three day weekend. Uh-huh. I'm like, well, the other thought I had was like for myself to go north and get to Watkins Glen. And then because they have a they have a two day, two to three day track event coming up this summer. Um, she's like, well, that sounds like fun. I might be interested in doing that. I'm like, really? She's like, yeah. I'm like, OK, well, that's great. I'm glad she's kind of interested in trying something like that. Yeah. Her, but it wouldn't work because we would be in the same run group because like we're, we would both be considered novices and so they tend to have like novices or low experience in one group and then another like two one to two more groups where it's higher experience you know sure and so we couldn't be both on the track at the same time obviously so i'm like we'd have to get to your miata first before you could Is do that because she, she we actually we both really like the second generation Miata, the NB that I was mentioning earlier. Uh huh. Um, she wants a little red Miata, and they're great little cars. So one day we'll get one for. That'd be cool. Take it out. You guys could both go track day together. Yeah. I was thinking about Erie as a trip too, and I was looking into like, you know Airbnbs because I figured I thought it'd be nice to do like, something unique, like a unique Airbnb, rather than like you know your standard hotel, and then you know sprinkling some car stuff along the way mm-hmm. but uh it's the time to start planning is now so it'll be upon us before you know it yeah that's the thing like i don't want to kind of put it off or say oh you know i'll just keep thinking about it and see what i want to do because before i know it, it's going to be september and running out of time to really enjoy the weather and stuff like that so i'm trying to be more more on top of it for planning it so We'll see. Do you have a time? Do you have a time frame like of when you'd want to go? No, sometime between like May and and October, probably. I want to do a trip where it's just myself, and then a trip the two of us. So, like, we're already doing a week in May, but that's just a vacation because we haven't had a vacation in two years. Um, so we're gonna go and enjoy Vermont, but I'd also like to. I'm trying to plan one to three like three day weekends so like take off uh-huh. on friday and then just hit the road and don't come back until sunday that's cool so, i like that we'll idea see. yeah vermont would be cool too there's a lot of i'm sure there's a lot of cool roads and the scenery is probably really spectacular up there as well I've yeah i've been up there way. i mentioned to her i mentioned in a couple podcasts ago about trying to convince her to take the cayman but the more we're planning it it's not really going to be feasible to take the cayman because we, what we're going to do is we have this lake house and we're going to go ATVing one day while we're nice. there. And then one day we're going to go for a trail ride on horseback. And so like both of those, we're going to get like dirty and we're going to have to carry certain like clothing and stuff like that. Um, and then on the way home, we're actually going to drive southeast and hit up newport rhode island because i guess there's a bunch of old like mansions like from vanderbilt and some of those um down there that are really cool to see so it's turning Uh into a bigger trip and um logistically it's just going to work better to take her car so we'll just have to uh leave the cayman at home this time that kind of stinks yeah but it's also far enough away where it was going to be borderline for her to be comfortable anyway and you know, once gotcha. she starts getting uncomfortable in a car, it's kind of like uncomfortable to be around her. So yeah, yeah she yeah, just yeah. gets grumpy and stuff. Like when we road yeah. trip, she likes to recline her seat back um, uh-huh. to where so she can like nap and stuff. But she can't do that in the Cayman, so that's why if we take that on a trip, it's going to be, you know, go two to four hours. And then find a destination and do something there for the rest of the day, stay overnight, and then do two to four hours another day and do the sure. same thing. So, yeah, we got to break it up more. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm just excited for the weather to get nice, you know. So, are you working this weekend? No, I work next weekend. Are you doing anything anything this weekend car related? 
No, I got to get my taxes done. So I'll be visiting my parents um, this weekend. And that's about it. Just I'll watch the F1 race because there's racing started this, this past weekend. So the next race is this coming weekend. So I'll, I'll be watching that at some point. Other than that, I'm not, I probably won't be doing a whole lot. Where does that one take place? So this, this one upcoming is in Saudi Arabia. It's the second time, they, like last year was the first time they were ever there. So this year they're going back. Um, so that's this coming week. Would you ever like to go like, to go to an event like that like in person? Yeah. So I went to, well, Sarah and I went to the Canadian Grand Prix uh, in 2019. Um, that was nice and easy because that's in Montreal. So we flew there and we stayed for like a week and we went to like qualifying on the Saturday and the race on a Sunday. And then the Friday and Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we kind of explored the city a little bit. So she, she wasn't really into it, but um, she wasn't really happy with the seats we got, even though they were some of the better seats. So she, she said she would like to try it again. If we do like a pit experience or like get seats on like, the, the starting line area so that she can like, cause they have a lot of stuff going on. Like the cars are assembled on the front straight you uh. know, pre-race and then like all the crews are around them and you can see everything. And there's like celebrities walking up and down the racetrack, uh. like walking around the cars and then like pre-race you all the, all the events go on like the Anthem and um, the various things. And then that's where the race obviously starts and ends Sure. and you have the podium and stuff. So she would be willing to give it another try if we have that experience. Uh, the problem is the tickets reflect that there's a lot more to see and do. Right. Right. <laughs> Depending on where you go, it's like 10 times as much to have those seats. So I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure you're probably paying for it. Yeah. Where did you guys sit where you're, where you are? So if anyone's familiar, we were at the Senna S. So like you leave the front straight and there's like a kink to the right. And then there's a, a left turn and a hairpin. And we were on the out, the exit of that hairpin turn uh, before the cars kind of go off into the, into the forest a little bit. Um, so it was, she's like, we were sitting there. She's like, why are we sitting at the slowest part of the track? <laughs> i'm like well because on the first lap if there's going to be action it's like everyone piling into this one corner trying to pass each other and that's usually where an accident is going to happen or any kind <laughs> of like good passing or whatever yeah. you know the other at the other end of the track is the other hairpin um and but those seats are all really far from the track so it's not even close where where we were it wasn't far from the track like it was you know maybe 50 or 100 feet so it was relatively close and you could actually see the cars somewhat close up and it's one of the better places to sit at that track but uh, it was like this is literally the slowest part of the track and we're sitting here watching these cars go by <laughs> at like it looks like they're doing 20 miles an hour even though they're doing like 80 around the yeah. hairpin but sure look they look slow like um, slow yeah so because they're because they're going they're going so fast on the straightaways that when they slow down it looks like they're not going that fast right What's the what's that track called? I want to look it up. Uh, Circuit de Gilles-Villeneuve. Circuit wow. Okay. De Circuit de Gilles Villeneuve. <laughs> I, I can look, look that up, one up. Just look up. Just look up Canadian Grand Prix. Okay. And be here. <laughs> it's, it's in French Canada, so you know. Gotcha. It's named after uh, Gilles Villeneuve, one of the French French Canadian racing drivers from the seventies and early eighties. Uh huh. His son was a uh, he won the championship I think once maybe twice in the nineties. Uh, okay. Jacques Villeneuve, and he also was good. At, he was had a good career in um, IndyCar as well. But it's a temporary street circuit, as they call it. It's on an island in the middle of the river, and there's a casino on the island. And it's, it's actually a park with this like racetrack paved. So the racetrack is always there, but the, the stadium or the seats are temporary with the exception of like the grandstand. So that's the part that sucks about it is because 
it's uh-huh. steel bleachers. And so they're Ooh. they're hard to sit on. Like when we go to Phillies games, we get into in the Hall of Fame club because they're padded seats and they're really nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But these are these are aluminum bleachers. And so they're hard. Right. And since they're temporary, there's no covering, like there's no shade. And so like when we went, it's the second weekend of first weekend of June. And the sun, like if it's a hot day or a sunny day, you're just baking all day long because there's no there's no shade on most Ugh. of the seating, most of the, the stands. So that's that's one of the downsides of it. It's like you're at a high school like uh, basketball game and not basketball, like football game. Yeah, except, you know, in the middle of summer. Yeah, right. I can see that being an issue. That's cool. That sounds like a fun. It sounds like it has the potential to be a really cool experience. Yeah, and they have other events going on. Like when we were there, there was a Porsche Super Cup, and I don't think F2 was there. It might have been like a Super Trofeo or something. There was two different other types of racing series that were there as well. Uh-huh. So what they'll do is they'll have practice on the Friday and like qualifying on a Friday, and then they'll have more practice and a race on Saturday so like they'll be scheduled around the events that the that the Formula One um, cars are doing, and so like if you're a track rat and you want to sit there all day long, which I would have if it was just me going, uh, I would have gotten to the track at like 9 a.m. I would have watched all of the other racing events, and then left the track at like six or seven at night, and then did it all all three days uh, because yeah. I would have just enjoyed watching the racing. And the nice thing about smaller categories is because they're more sparsely attended because most people just go for the for the F1 race. For the other categories, you can actually probably sit in other places of the track because the stands are mostly empty. So it's not really a big deal. You're not stealing someone's seat. Right. Uh, so you could probably have the experience of different viewpoints. So I'd like to go back again. I Actually, there are several tracks I'd like to go to. Uh, just a matter of time and finance like most of them are in europe and other places of the world so canada and texas are the easiest two for us to get to you should think about putting that on your list of maybe places to go you know during like a a road trip to a track one thing i'd like to do is i reference everyday driver sometimes because they've they're the catalyst for me getting back into into trying to find a car that's fun to drive but they do an event or they used to do an event every year got put on hold for a few years for obvious reasons, but they'll actually take a group of people to Europe and they'll start at the Nürburgring and they'll do like a track day there. And then you're like renting a car. So like, say like they have a couple different cars available, like an M2 or a Cayman or Renault Megane or whatever. You rent this car and you do a track day at the Nürburgring and then you there's a road tour in those same cars to Belgium. And then like the next day or two days later, you go, you, you do a track day at spa. And so like that's Nürburgring used to be an F1 track. Spa is currently an F1 track and they're both like epicenters for car guys and and racing enthusiasts and things like that. And so um, that's a cool trip I'd like to do sometime, but actual road trips here to events like that. I would be looking at a seven to eight hour drive to Montreal or Mm. 18 to 20 hours down to Texas to the formula one race. Now there is one this year in May in uh, Miami uh, in March or no April or May. Uh, That one's sold out, but that's still Miami from here is another drive. Yeah. Road trip. Isn't, I don't know about that, but I understand where you're coming from. A European thing sounds really cool, but that would probably cost a real fortune. Yeah. I like that idea. There's cars that they rent. If, they, if those cars are rented and that's all that they do is do track days and then and like the road tour, those things must be getting beat. Yeah, but they're well-maintained because they have sure. to be. So, yeah. like, you know, they, they probably go through tires and brakes a couple of times, you know, maybe once a month or so, depending on how much mm. they're getting used. Wow. Uh, but they're they're probably doing three thousand mile oil change intervals. The the drivetrain oils, like the transmission oil and the diff, they're probably getting changed once a year, if not once every three months. You know, like they're getting maintained. If it's an X 
rental car from one of the well-known and best reputation companies there, I wouldn't be opposed to buying one of them used. Mm. There is going to be some stuff that's that's beat down on it, like probably the suspension is going to need an overhaul, depending on how many miles are on it. But functionally, I wouldn't I wouldn't be worried about it. Yeah, I want to look into like driving like driving experiences around here one of these days. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I'm not sure what's really around. I have to look into it a little bit, but I'm I'm curious about what's available out here. When you say driving experiences, do you mean like renting a car or like? a tour or what do you mean? I'm thinking, I was thinking like what, like a, like a high performance driving school. Okay. Like one of the skip barber things or something like that. Yeah. They have a lot of those at New Jersey motorsports park. They? Um, you can also go up to Watkins Glen or yeah. Any, any of the tracks that I mentioned earlier, there's, there's um, a lot of events like that going on. I might look into that. That might be something cool for like, you know, a summer weekend or whatever yeah i was i was looking at the one i forget if it was new jersey or watkins Glen. i think it was watkins Glen. that was the three-day weekend with to be a driver of your own uh-huh. car with an instructor ride along it was like five five fifty oh, for, for a three-day event so plus you, if, if you're taking your own car you want track day insurance um so that's that must be a line. lot I don't know. I've never priced it out, but at least if something happens, it's it's covered because yeah. if you just go there and something happens, um, like you, you go off the road and hit like a, a barrier or something, uh, your car insurance is not going to cover that. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely want the track day insurance. We still have to talk about the, the uh, go-karts one of these days for the, yeah, um, I was thinking about that yesterday. What were they? The uh, what was what was the type that we were talking about? Not that not that one place that we were discussing. The type of go, the type of go karts. Talking about the gas ones or the shifter yeah. carts. The shifter carts. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know anywhere that actually does shifter carts. I don't know if you have to like join a racing league with your own cart to do something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like it's probably something that's bigger in like Europe because all the karting tracks I've seen around us are small enough where you don't need a cart that goes that fast. Like uh-huh. they're usually indoor or really like New Jersey Motorsports Park has one outside, but it, I believe it's on the smaller side and to where like a shifter cart would be too fast. Okay. So I don't know. I did something to look into. Yeah. That could be a fun summer, summer thing that we do. I do know if we do anything like that, or even if I do like a track day, I have to buy a helmet. So, because my helmet's out of date. Uh, well, I, would I, I was looking it. at prices a few weeks the other week, and I just got to figure out what I want to do. Because I bought my current helmet, I think in 08. so it's it's a fourteen year old helmet, sixteen year old helmet. How long do they last? I didn't know they had dates on them. Yeah, well, they if you with regular use, they say you should replace it like every four years because your sweat can break down the foam inside of it Um, but shelf life they say six or eight years Uh, but most racing organizations has to be a Snell rating that is the current one plus the prior run so Snell is every four or five years they redo the I think it's every five years they redo the rating so like Uh right now there's a Snell 2020 and there's a Snell 2015 so it's got to be one of those ratings of a helmet. Um, they don't use DOT because DOT is a very basic testing regimen. Mm-hmm. Snell is more, more in-depth of testing. So most racing organizations require Snell unless you're going pro. Like, like for Formula One drivers, there's an FIA standard for their race suits and their helmets, and it's got to meet certain things. So that's above sure. and beyond. And, you know, that's like a $4,000 helmet. Jeez. Um, at least, but for like most amateur stuff and some professional stuff, the Snell rating of the last, you know, the two most recent ones are required. I think mine's in Snell 05. So huh. if, I bought an, if I bought an 08, it would be a Snell 2005. Yeah, so it's definitely going to have to be replaced. It's, it's unfortunate because it's, it's a cool helmet. It's a cool look. Do you, do you know where it is? 
Yeah, I was actually thinking I can go get it and show you. The yeah, listeners sure. won't be able to see it, but I can get it. This is my second one. I used to have a gloss black one when I first uh-huh. started riding. Uh-huh. And then I, I got this one because I worked at, a, when I worked at a motorcycle dealership. Oh, it is, I thought it was a Scorpion helmet, but it's actually an HJC. Oh, that's cool. Um, it's even still got the bugs on it from when I wrote it last. <laughs> nice. So like, it's matte oh, yeah. black. Yeah, well, sharp. That's, that's that's dusty, but yeah. on the back of it is like a skull. Oh, cool! That's ah, awesome. So it looks really yeah. cool in person. Uh, yeah, it looks. Um, I, it's cool here. That stinks. A like, it stinks that you have to get a new one because that, that's pretty cool looking. I remember why I got a new one now. I got this. Did I get this after. I got this before or. I can't remember if I got this before. I think I got it before my accident. And when I had my accident, I really didn't hit my head. Uh And so like, this is the one, my helmet was the one thing that actually didn't have any damage from the accident. Like my, my riding jacket had scuffs all over it and my boots had scuffs all over it. And my, you know, my hands and, and my stomach had some road rash and stuff but my helmet actually didn't have any scratches. So I kept it because it didn't hit anything. If uh-huh. I would have hit the ground and, you know, smacked something or whatever, I would have, I would have uh, gotten rid of it and gotten a new one. But yeah. yeah, this one, I forget where it says it. It's usually underneath the padding somewhere. I'll have to look, but I guarantee it's a Snell, Snell 2005. Pretty cool. I think it looks good. I'll put it on my shelf somewhere. Bug guts and all. <laughs> Builds character. All right. Well, uh, we can probably call it a night. Wrap it up. All right, great. Well, thanks again for joining us, everybody. Uh, you can reach us by email at windingroadspodcast at gmail.com or on Instagram at windingroadspodcast. We look forward to hearing from you. Your feedback is always appreciated, and we would love it if you could rate and review us on your favorite podcast app. And um, until next time, we will see you and enjoy the drive.